Take a moment, look at Matthew chapter 9 this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go there, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. I'll be reading out of the NIV. I uh, had the privilege of taking about 30, 20-somethings to India in 2003, and uh, all from New Life. And we took a team, we went to different cities, and we went and visited different local churches uh, throughout India. And while we were in New Delhi, we had just a powerful time because we went to mostly small churches and encouraged them and we prayed with them and had times of worship and got to connect with the pastors a little bit. But while we were in New Delhi, it was uh, phenomenal as we began to walk towards this, what we thought was going to be a very small house church. And when we arrived, we could see children, not only on, not only like coming out the door, but down the street and there was four, five, maybe 600 kids trying to get into the house where church was taking place. And there was a 1985 you know, boombox player with a tape, you know, and they were worshiping God with, with passion and going after God, all these children. And it was powerful. It was amazing. It was authentic. These kids were worshiping Jesus with just such strength in a very... Um, in a very difficult section of New Delhi, India, and a very poor section. So I, I, I was just amazed, and we did our dramas, and we did some worship, and I taught a little bit, and we had interpreters, and it was a great time. But following, I said I wanted to meet the pastor because the vibrancy in this meeting was so distinct. It was so dynamic and different from the other churches that we had uh, served with. And so I met her. She was a 25-year-old lady, and uh, her and her friend, they were both 25, and I was surprised by that, and afterwards, I began to just ask them questions, and I said, tell me about, tell me about this work. This is such a kingdom work. It's so evident that the Holy Spirit is among you. It's so clear that God is working, and she said, we finished at the university in Bombay, and we both felt a call of God to come back to New Delhi, where they were from, and start a church, and she said, uh, we began to cry out to God, and as at the time they were 22 and 23 year old girls that were trying to press and believe God for a church for young people specifically. And she said we 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 gave it our best shot, and we used worship songs, and we preached, and we did what we knew to do. And she said, and it failed utterly. We, no one would come. And she said we went through the winter, and and we we, we were struggling financially. No one was a part of our church, and. And it was, looked like we were going to have to close down. And she said, then kind of as a last resort, we said, let's give ourselves to 40 days of crying out to God in prayer and fasting. And she said, we began to fast and pray, the two of us. We did a 40-day fast. And she said, only water. And we cried out to God for 40 days. For the, and we focused it specifically on the children of this, these neighborhoods. She said, we finished our 40-day fast. And we began to start up again, focused specifically on children. And she said, since that time, she said, we haven't been able to keep the children away. She said, it's been a supernatural move of God, but evident that the Lord is on this. And she said to me, she goes, you know, the one thing that I believe more than anything else is that God hears our prayers and that God really works when we pray. And she began to articulate how in her own strength she was able to accomplish so little. But when she reached a place of brokenness and utter dependence on God 
and crying out to God as you would be if you went on a 40-day water fast saying, we need you or else, I mean, we need God. She said at that place, then God said, okay, let me breathe on this. And out of the overflow of that 40-day fast, God moved. And I was blown away as a 25-year-old as leading this with such power. I think it's apropos for our own lives as we live such busy lives and all of us to some degree or another have some ambition and some desire to fulfill a calling or to build a business or to do the things that we want to do. And in a good way, we want to labor for the kingdom. We want to work diligently when we want to be able to give sacrificially. And so a lot of times it's easy for us to plug away and get a plan. We get a plan. And yet, much like this lady, oftentimes it's easy to get a plan and labor without coming before God and walking with him in the place of prayer first. And so I'm, I, got a, I got one point this morning, and that is, is that before we do anything, what we do as men of God is we pray first. I want to read out of Matthew chapter 9. Then Jesus, verse 35, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he says, there is a harvest. We want to see a harvest, but the laborers, the workers are few. And so you'd think at this point, he'd say, so go be laborers, go work your tails off for the kingdom. Verse 38, he says, therefore, so whenever you see a therefore, you always ask the question, what's it there for, right? In light of verse 37, he's saying, because we've got a great harvest, Therefore, as a result of that, therefore, pray. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And we see a twofold response here. Because there's a great need, out of the great need, he doesn't say labor only, and he doesn't say pray only. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And right there in verse 38, we find two things. We find pray and labor. A lot of times in church communities, we'll have a situation where we have people that think I'm an intercessor or I'm a prayer and others that think I'm not a prayer, I'm a laborer. And we kind of like to lock ourselves in with one or the other. Well, you guys go be the prayer people. You do the world prayer center thing. I'm a worker for the kingdom. I'm a laborer. I don't get the whole prayer here. Or the prayer people go, y'all go labor. I'm called to be here and pray. But I think when we look at New Testament theology, when we look from the gospels, what Jesus says to Paul, what we find is not one or the other. We find both working together, dovetailed. It's not an issue of either or, it's an issue of the right order. We pray first and labor. So every single one of us are prayers. Every single one of us are called to be men of prayer and labor. So we don't work hard without prayer and we don't pray without doing the things of the kingdom. Historically, when we look at prayer movements throughout history, there's always a praying, a crying out to God, and out of the overflow of the prayer movement, a laboring, going and doing the work of the kingdom. And so our call as men of God is to cry out to God in prayer, and not even with the great callings, even with the great businesses that that are desired to be built, or the great ministries, not to forego the place of prayer. It's actually in the place of prayer that we receive revelation, We receive strategies. We receive the supernatural of God working among us. 
Imagine the heartache if you're in the midst of the task, in the midst of the labor, looking to God saying, hey, what happened here? And God's going, wait a minute, I wanted to do this with you the whole time. I didn't want you to do this for me. I want to do this with you. I want to call you. I want to connect with you in relationship. I I want relationship above everything. You know, when you look at, let's just take, you know, we've all read uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Principles of Highly Effective People. I love the, the idea that talks about begin with the end in mind. You know that, you know that principle that says begin with the end in mind. Let's just, let's just take that principle and apply it to Christianity. When we look at when all this is over, like if we're gonna begin with the end in mind, I mean the very end, when we look towards the very, very end. If we look at the very, very end, right now we're walking out the Great Commission. We're in the church age Matthew 28, we're to go into all the world and make disciples. And we're living in that task, that season where we're to go make disciples. And so we're going to all nations and building churches and hospitals and taking care of the poor and the sick and trying to reach all people. But let's go after that. I mean, once that's done, I mean, once, once every you know, demon has been crushed, the opportunity for the global task of reaching every tongue, tribe, and nation is complete. Romans, you know, in Revelation 8, it, come, it comes down to the end. We're before the throne, crying out, worthy is the Lamb. And when we get past all of our tasks, we're all going to live for eternity. We all believe that. What, what's the end? I mean, what's the very, very end? I mean, we're done. I mean, past all of our task, our job that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission to go reach the whole world. Past that. At the very end, past everything, it's relationship. Where this thing goes is that we're going to be with God forever. That's what it's about. So right now, we've got a task to do. But in the midst of all of it, where it's going, no matter what your eschatology is, no matter what you believe about the millennium or no matter what you believe about eternity, it all culminates with God, just like it began, God with his people in relationship, in a garden. Where, where we're headed is God with his people in relationship. That's where this thing's going. So imagine when we come to that day and on that day standing before him and having foregone relationship because we were so consumed with the task. God, you called me to build a youth ministry. So I kind of gave up on, you know, spending time with you and all that because I was called to reach the teenagers at New Life Church. I don't want to stand before God like that and say, I got so consumed with the task that I left out relationship. We want to stand before God. The thing that matters for eternity, we want relationship and we want to accomplish our assignment. So in no way am I belittling the assignment that God has on every single one of us because clearly he has an assignment on each one of our lives. But in the midst of the, of the assignment, how sad. I mean, in the good assignment, build a church, build a, build a business, take care of your family, a great marriage, whatever is the thing. All good assignments but how tragic if in the midst of the assignment, we lose relationship. Right now, I'm, I have a larger task than I've ever had by raising four kids. I've got, you know, like I said yesterday, four little kids. And man, it's crazy how much work it is. I mean, I, I've gone from driving a red Mustang to driving a 1999 blue minivan. I mean, it's, it's tough days, man. And like, I, I've gone from... I'm spending, I've, I, and I've, we've been in diapers for, not me and my wife, but our kids have been in diapers <laughs> for the last eight years. And it's a lot of money to pay for these diapers. We got T-ball going on. Uh, my, my girls are in ballet. I feel like I'm a shuttle driver. I mean, it's, 
it's crazy. I'm like, I'm, I'm needing to make more money as I think about weddings and colleges. I mean, it's, it's suddenly like, this is a gargantuan task. I mean, 21 meals a week for four kids. I mean, it's a, it's a, woo, it's a lot of work. Nighttime prayers, nighttime drinks, morning drinks, more, not like drinks, never mind, but <laughs> cups of water. <laughs> what kind of pastor we got over here? <laughs> It's, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of work. Taking care of my kids. It's a huge task. But imagine my disappointment if 25 years from now, when I'm 60, imagine my disappointment if in the midst of the whole task, if I was so consumed, I need to raise I need to make enough money and I need to keep them all clean and I need to get them educated and I need to have them be disciplined. And in the midst of all of that, if I became so focused on the task, imagine if I'm 60 and I never built relationship and you know, they're, they're a little bit older by then. All of them have graduated from Harvard and running for president or leading other nations or you know, who knows what they'll be doing, you know, billionaires probably. But if in, the, in that day, can you imagine if I've forgone relationship, my sadness, if I got so consumed in the task that I didn't build relationship with my children, I lost relationship with them. The very thing that I want is a house of friends. The very thing I want is relationship. I think God looks at us and imagine you and I in the rat race, trying to do everything right, trying to, trying to do all the tasks that we're supposed to do and give like we're supposed to give and and, 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 and disciple like we're supposed to disciple and make enough money to make the whole thing work. And, and in the midst of that task, in the midst of that relationship, if we go without relationship with God and we say, I'm gonna put that on the back burner, he goes, no, you've lost everything. What I want more than anything is relationship with you. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about you today. You walking with God, you being a man of prayer you knowing him. And yeah, I love the labor. I, I actually love labor. I actually love the call of God to do the assignment that God has on my life. I actually love that. But if that begins to become so prominent and back burner, back agenda item is to know God, to walk with him, to be a man of prayer, to hear his voice, to have a spirit of revelation on the word of God. If I lose that, I lose everything. The very thing he wants more than anything when we stand before him is, I know you. We were tight, bro. We knew each other. We were friends. So as we prepare to go off this mountain this morning, I want to encourage each one of you. We may be back here, same, you know, the same avalanche a year from now. Imagine if a year from now, each one of us have progressed in our life in God and walking with him and knowing him and hearing his voice and the word of God alive and we're spending time with him and we know him. That's the vision. We're gonna have, we're gonna have good days and bad days when it comes to our businesses and our finances and our children, our marriage. We're gonna, undoubtedly, we're gonna go through good days and bad days. But the anchor of our soul, the anchor of everything is we're men that walk with God and we know him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Just place your hand on your heart. I want to close our retreat this morning. I just want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every man that's here this morning. I thank you for the young men that 
had breakfast with this morning. They have young kids in their late 20s. Thank you for the men in their 40s that are starting to raise teenagers. and Men in their 50s, Lord God, that are loving you and entering new seasons. 60s, Lord God, 70s. We pray that all of us, Lord God, would one day stand before you and have known you. And in these, this short whisper of life, this short mere breath that we have, God, we want to be close to you. We want to be friends of God. We want to know your heart. We want to hear your voice. We want to be close to you. And as we walk through great victories and as we walk through difficult tragedies, God, you are our anchor. You're our hope. We don't want to we don't want to be so consumed with the task of all the things we have to do. We're trying so hard to do things right that we lose relationship. We want to fight for a relationship with you to be first place above all else, God. So God, I pray for supernatural help. My own life, John's life, Garvin's life, every man here, God, we want it, God. We pray for supernatural strength. We pray that you would help us. I pray, Lord God, that you would increase wooing our hearts. I pray, Lord God, as every one of us get alone with you, that there would be more and more encounter. We pray for more tears in the secret place where you speak to us. We ask, Lord God, for revelation in your word, Lord God, that it would leap off the page, that there would be ideas, clearly you speaking to us. We want the prophetic whisper of God. Father, we love dreams and visions. We want, Lord God, you to speak to us through dreams and visions like you said you would in the last days. We open up our hearts to that. God, we, we're hungry for all of it. We want everything that you'll give the human heart. We want it, God. I want to draw as close to your heart as we can possibly get. We love you, Jesus. We honor you this morning. Use us, God. We draw near to you, Lord God. Let this be a great year, Lord Jesus. And everyone said amen. 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 All right. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Be safe driving home. Thanks for coming to Men's Retreat.